This is a good day to be alive. You know, today I'm talking on, on our, our purpose in life, plans and purposes. If you don't know God, if you don't gnosko, this word gnosko, and that's the Greek way it looks, the word gnosko means to know. And if you don't gnosko God, you will never gnosko your purpose in life, your true God-ordained purpose in life. There are many people in here today that you really don't know that God has a plan for you, that he has a specific purpose for your life. And so you're kind of wandering, you're kind of floundering in the water, so to speak. You don't really know, you don't know how to ask, you don't know how to get move forward with your life. And, and so you start migrating to other what other people do and how other people look. So if I wanted to be the cool pastor, I would do. I would wear the skinny jeans. These are not skinny jeans. I would wear the skinny jeans and and the in the cool looking boots, and I'd wear the vest, and I'd have the other shirt that came out from under this shirt, you know. And and I would try and I would do the swag, the pastor swag, and I would cut the sides of. My, I'm not cutting any more of my hair off, so. But that's what people do. We, we, if, we, if we can't find our niche in life, we try to find somebody else's niche. We try to become like them, right? And so, but God has an individual purpose planned for each one of you. He's got this path that he's already carved out for you. Um, these, you know, landmark birthdays. Mine at 65 is kind of a landmark birthday. Wouldn't you agree? What are landmark birthdays? Well, I remember Ezra when he turned one. Here's Ezra. He turned one three months ago. Yay! Now, my kids, they celebrate months. You know, he'd hold a little one month, two months, three months, all the way up to one. But one year is a landmark birthday, right? And then the other landmark birthdays are probably like number 10 because it's the first decade. 13, why is 13 a landmark birthday? Teenager. You became a teenager, hence 13. And then when you get 16, is another landmark birthday because you can do what? Drive a car. Some of you haven't figured that one out yet, even though you're 18 or 20, 35. Then there's, then there's 18. What can you do when you're 18? Vote. All right. Yeah, some of them are going, what? 18? I could vote it when I was 18. Then there is 20 because that's another decade. And then there's 21. So you can. Man. How many let 21 stop you from drinking? How many of you not being honest right now? How many of you drank before you were 21? Come on, be honest. There, see, it means nothing. 21 means nothing. Then you got 30. You know, I dreaded 39, uh, 29. You know why I dreaded 29? Because I knew 30 was next. That's the only age I think I ever dreaded was 29 because I knew 30. Man, man, you're just, you're getting old when you hit 30. How many of you are over 30 in here this morning? Man, a lot of old people. Then there's 40, 50, 60, and then... 65. Uh-uh. You're jumping ahead. See, I got you. 65 is because that's when somebody said, I didn't look it up. Somebody said that's when you're supposed to retire when you hit 65. And then there's 70, 80, 90, and so on and so forth. Okay? So we have these momentous landmark birthdays, and we look at each one of those, and we kind of go, what, what am I supposed to do now that I hit 65 when I get to that landmark of, of retirement age? And a lot of people, you know what they do? And I'm not dissing people that do this, so if you've got an RV, don't come. Oh, i got an RV. But a lot of people, when they hit 65, they, got the, they get the RV, and they want to travel the country. Some people, when they get to be 65, they want to start a garden. Some people, when they get to 65, they want to go fishing for the rest of their life. David Hicks, he's not going to do that, I know. But a lot of people, when they get a certain age, 
age, they want to do certain things. At 65, they want to start or, or do a hobby, a new hobby, like I want to take up oil painting or watercolors or, or you know, the, another thing that people do when they want to 65, they want to finish all the other stuff. They want to, that's when the wife says, now you can clean out the garage. You're retired. You don't have to work anymore. It's, it's a retirement age and you can do all of these things. Well, you listen to me. That, there's something wrong with this word retirement. There's a, something wrong with it. So I got some really cool quotes and I don't know all these people that I'm quoting, but I just saw that there's a thing on, on the internet called Brainy Quotes. And Brainy Quotes says this about retirement. Pablo Casal said this, to retire is to die. I like that one. These are, I like all these, okay? Ernest Hemingway, I've heard of that guy. Retirement is the ugliest word in the language. Some of you, the retired people out here are going, I don't like where this is going. John Barrymore said, I like this, a man is not old until regrets take the place of his dreams. A man's not old until regrets take the place of dreams. Well, I sure wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. I'm, okay. George Bernard Shaw said this, you don't stop laughing when you grow old. You grow old when you stop laughing. You know, anybody know any old people that are grumpy? They're old. They might be 40 and they're grumpy. They're old. Mm, never happy, you know. But here's here's my favorite quote. How many of you know much about baseball? You know, I like baseball. I've always loved baseball. How many of you ever heard of Satchel Page? I'm surprised. How many? Yeah, Satchel Page was in the uh, was in what was called the Negro Leagues. This is before they were integrated. Before Jackie Robinson did the great deal and stepped into the white man's sport, so to speak. Okay, Satchel Page was a great pitcher. Man, uh, uh, Dizzy Dean, all these other great pitchers said he was the greatest pitcher that ever lived. But he didn't get to play in the major leagues, so to speak, because he was black. But when he finally, when he when he finally uh, stepped into the major leagues, he was forty. He was a forty-two year old rookie. Forty-two years old, a rookie. Yet he wasn't, he wasn't a rookie because, man, he was an awesome, awesome pitcher. And you know what? People say, well, how old is that guy? And he would say, I don't know. I don't, I don't know my birthday. And there was a mystery about his age for years and years and years because his mama said he was two years old, younger than he said he was. <laughs> how many of you don't know your birth date? Okay. Well, here's the quote. Now, awesome. I mean, also, I want to tell you this at, at 59. Guess what he did at 59? He pitched, he's the oldest man to ever pitch in the major leagues at the age of 59 this guy from the chicago white sauce says i want to get the oldest i want to get the credit for the oldest man to ever play the game and he got satchel page to come and pitch a couple of innings at a game and he did pretty good for 59 years old but here's a quote he said because everybody said he didn't know his age and i want you to think about this i want to read it a couple of times because i want this to sink into you this in your, in your brain this morning how old would you be if you didn't know how old you was that sink in yet? How old would you be if you didn't know how old you was? Because some people, if you, if you, if you didn't know their age, you would go, man, they're old or they're young or they're this or they're that. Because it's the way they act. It's not so much the way they look. It's the way they act. It's about their attitudes. It's about, are they, have they, are they just finished? Are they gonna, are they done with life and they're just ready to go and die? Are they still living life to the fullest because they're still breathing? See, that's how I believe that God wants us to live our lives. He has a plan and a purpose for every person's life. And that plan and purpose doesn't stop when you hit 65 or 70 or 80 or 90 or however old you get. It does not stop. As long as you've got breath, 
You've got purpose. Amen. That's the O people over there clapping. But when you get to a particular age like me, here's what you do. You start reflecting. That's what older people do. They reflect. You start thinking about your life before, what got you to where you got to now. You start thinking about where are you at right now. And then you start thinking about what's ahead of me. And I want you to know that I want to, I don't want to be that person that says it's all done. I'm finished the race. I'm, I'm done. I want to be, continue to dream. I want God to continue to give me visions. I want Him to continue to direct my steps until the day I step into heaven. But that should be everybody's desire, every believer's desire. And sadly, so many people, they don't have that desire because they don't know God in an intimate and personal way. They don't know that He has this beautiful plan laid out for them. There's a passage in Psalm 139. Now, Psalm 139 merely reminded me was that was her mother's favorite passage. Now, Mary Lou, if you don't know it, her she has two sisters, Billy Faye and Chloe Jane. They all go to church here. They're all members here. Their their mother died at the 98. She was approaching the age of 99. And she would read this scripture all the time. And she would pray this scripture all the time. And I want to read part of this scripture to you because it's important to what I'm speaking today about our destiny, about our purpose. Beginning with verse 13. This is God speaking through David. For you, capital Y, this is God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. He's talking about God. And that my, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes, verse 16, highlighted in your word. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You know why we're so much against abortion? Because God saw every substance before it was even formed. Every substance, embryo, whatever you want to call it, when, when, the, when the, the sperm meets the egg, he saw that in the body. And he said, before it was even formed, I saw it. And in your book, they are all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Wow. God is writing a book. Matter of fact, the book's already written about you. And you think, well, how can that be? Because I feel like i am still got some book, to, book left in me. How can he have already? Because with God, there is no limit to time or space. See, he's already written the book. He already knows the ending of our lives. He knows the ending of our journey. The thing about it is, you and I don't know it. So we're still in the process of the book being written because God is, is timeless. Your book is being written. Say, I'm a book. We're not short stories, are we? Are we? No. God is writing the book of our life. He is writing chapter by chapter. We don't know how it's going to end, but I'm going to tell you one thing. You do know one thing about the final chapter. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you know you will spend eternity. And that's about as much as I can tell you about the end of your life. If you know you're a believer, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're going to spend eternity with Him. But the, the, but the between, between now and then, the book is still being unfolded. The book is still being revealed to us. What does your book look like this morning? That's the question. Because none of us know when the end for us is. 
man, you might just be, I think I'm going to go to a country western concert. I think this is going to be a beautiful day. Bam, bam, bam. Fifty some odd lives ended that day when they were just listening to a concert. Or you might just be riding your bike in New York City, going for a leisurely ride and hanging out and in a beautiful day in New York and somebody barrels through in a pickup truck and that's the day your life ends. You don't know that, do you? Those people that died in New York City had no idea. None of us know. We think we know. We think, I think I'm going to be, I think I'm going to live to be 85, 90, 95. I don't know. My mother lived to be 93. I don't know. But most of us think that we're going to live to be a pretty decent old age. But you don't know, do you? The book is not closed yet. God's still writing the book. So how is your book looking so far this, this morning? James 4.13 says this, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Say, I don't know what happens tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this and live this and do this or that. Our life is a vapor. Say vapor. The Greek word that that really means is, it just means smoke. We're going up in smoke. Smoke. We're, our life is a vapor. And if you've ever seen a vapor, it just kind of, right? And it's here. Today and it's gone tomorrow. Our life is that. God says we're there are no guarantees. Why are you making plans for way out there when you've got this in front of you today? You know, so many people they miss tomorrow because they, they miss today because they're so worried about tomorrow. Some of you to right now, you're thinking about stuff you got to do tomorrow. Some of you are already thinking about how am I going to make this bill? How am I going to take care of that? How am I going to get to school? How am I going to complete this task? You're already thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And God said, do you want to miss today? Because this is all you got right now. Every day is precious. Every day. When I wake up and I see Ezra this morning, I'm thinking, what a precious, precious little boy. I did. Don't want to miss a day with him, but I do miss a lot of days with him, but not many because of good old FaceTime. We want, we want to live, you should want to live every day to the fullest. And yet so many times in our lives we get so busy. And I think that's one of the, one of the worst things about America is that we are some, we are one kind of crazy busy people. We think we've always got to be doing and doing and going and going and, and, and our lives are so full. And God says, listen. Only do what the Lord says for you to do. Listen to Him. Your life is a vapor. It's like smoke. Therefore, Hebrews 12 said, 12.28 says, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, isn't that good? The kingdom of America can be shaken. Matter of fact, it's being shaken right now. Kingdoms all over the world are being shaken. They're unstable. Governments get overthrown all the time, don't they? Kingdoms are, are shaken all of the time. Just ask the Soviet Union, the USSR. It's not called that anymore, are they? Called Russia again because their kingdom was constantly being shaken. America is being shaken right now. Do y'all believe that? We're being shaken. Just read the news. See what happened yesterday. See what's happening all around us. We're being shaken. He says, but we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm, I'm thankful for that. Let us have grace. Since we live in this kingdom that can't be shaken, let us have grace, he says. 
by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. If you're going to go up in smoke, let it be from the consuming fire of Almighty God. If I want to be a vapor, I want to burn up for Jesus. You know, some people many years ago when Nero was the ruler in Rome, they literally Christians burned up for Jesus. They were dipped in oil. They were set up along the palace way so they would, so if they were having a big party, they could set Christians on fire so they could find their way to the palace. They literally burned up for Jesus. And all he's asking us to do is spiritually to become, become a smoke and a fire for the, for Jesus Christ in our lives. Burn up for him. If you're going to burn up for anything, burn up for him. He's a consuming fire. He wants to consume you today. The writer of Hebrews also said in verse thir- chapter 13, verse 6, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, if we have the attitude that every Christian should have, that I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what you do to me. I've got my home. I've got my reservations. I'm secure. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. To live for Christ is, is gain, to die is to gain. To live for Christ, but to die is to gain, Right? So if we have the attitude, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of us, what the world does to us. If we have that attitude, then we're going to burn out for Jesus Christ. I hear pastors, I hear preachers in, in these stories all the time, and they're just burned out. You know what? They didn't burn out for Jesus Christ. I don't think you ever burn out for him in the sense that, oh, you know what? I'm just tired of doing ministry. I don't want to do this anymore. Man, I had, an, I had a dream this morning. It was one of the most horrible dreams on the day after my birthday. This is a demonic dream, I believe. It was a dream that, that the enemy was saying, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to stop. You're 65. And it's not working so well. People aren't getting free. And I had this dream of people. And we, it was like we were ministering and ministering and ministering to people, trying to get them out of their bondages and out of the, all the, the things that they were caught up in. And we were walking. It was Mary Lou and I. We were walking through this room. And here we, we just saw all this perversion going on. And it's like I said, I am done with this. In my dream, I was saying, I don't want to do this anymore. The enemy doesn't want you to do it anymore. The enemy doesn't want you to burn up for Jesus. He doesn't want you to be a light in a dark place. He wants you to give up. And listen, when you're doing it in your flesh, you will burn out and it won't be a good burnout. It's because you're doing it for you. It'll be because you're doing it for your own glory. And when you start to doing it for yourself and for your own glory and things don't work out so good, you don't end up with a mega church. And the cool haircut and all the good things that you think comes along with it. And all the glory and all the praise and all that. When it doesn't come the way because it doesn't always come. That's why people get out of the ministry all the time. Well, it just didn't work out the way I thought it would. You know what? They didn't really get to the place of knowing God and knowing his purpose and his plan for their life. Because listen, once he calls you and equips you, he doesn't pull back the call on you. It's forever. It's forever. Who are you burning for? The Bible speaks about us letting our light shine, doesn't it? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I always like the one, don't let Satan it out. <laughs> Remember that? Shine all over San Angelo. If we're supposed to shine, you know what, you know how we're supposed to shine? It, when he talks about shining in the, in the in the Bible, they didn't have flashlights. 
they had lamps. And you know what was inside the lamp? Oil. You know what? They would light there, but they had a wick, and they would go out into the oil, and the oil, they would, light, they would set it on fire, and it would burn and burn and burn and burn. See, we have, as Christians, we have the oil of the Holy Spirit within us. That's how we're supposed to burn. We're supposed to burn. He says it in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men. Let your light, your light, say my light, so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify you? No, glorify who? Who? Your Father, my Father in heaven. So when we are burning out and we are shining for Christ, it has to be the right motive. It has to be the right attitude. And if you don't know God the way you're supposed to, you'll do it for yourself. You'll do it for the praise and the acclaim of other people. You'll do it for see, see how many Facebook likes you can get on whatever you posted. You will do it for the wrong reasons. And when you do it for the wrong reasons, I promise you, you will burn out in a bad way. Thousands of people leave the ministry every month, according to the Southern Baptist statistics. Thousands of ministers leave the ministry every month. I would, I would entertain this idea that they first, number one, they probably weren't called in the first place. In the second place, if they were called, they weren't doing it in the way that honored God and brought glory to Him. I just don't believe in the thing called burnout if you're doing it in the right way for the right reasons. I believe with all my heart that the enemy tried to snuff out my life three years ago. I believe with all my heart when, I, when, when we had the emergency surgery and they came out and told my wife that your husband is not probably, he's probably not going to live. I don't even think they used the word probably. He's not going to live. He's not going to make it. She said, yes, sir, we always have hope. I believe the enemy wanted to say, this is the end of Harold's book. Shut it. Slam it shut. But you know what I also know is that God was not finished with me yet. I knew that God, when he brought me through that, he says, I'm not done with you yet. You haven't seen anything yet because I've got more for you to accomplish in the name of Jesus Christ. And he has the same for you. How many of you have been near death before? Come on. Stand up if you've been near death before. Stand up. In the name of Jesus, I break off a spirit of death over every person that is standing before me today. And Father, I speak life. I speak a renewed life in every person in this place where the enemy tried to snuff out and end their book that today their book is being rewritten. Because they're living for you and they're going to make choices that honor you. No longer living a life of death, but living a life of life. To the fullness and to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Come on, come. Let somebody give God a hand. Y'all may be seated. That's a lot of people. If the enemy's trying to snuff out your life, which the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wanted to kill me, destroy this ministry. He wanted to do all these things. But listen, he's done. He's trying to do the same thing with every believer today. Anybody that's, anybody that's trying to do anything for the kingdom of God, he wants your book to end. He wants it to stop. He wants you to quit being influential. He wants you to quit doing, quit doing the things of God. He wants you to quit elevating, bring glory to the God, to God. That's what his agenda is. That's always been his agenda. It doesn't change. But God says, I want you to have life and I want to have it more abundantly. Amen. That's why retirement is not an option for me. It should not be an option for any Christian. Did you hear me? 
Does that mean you can't buy an RV? Does that mean Pastor said, I, I guess we can't stop our jobs anymore. I think, I guess we gotta work till we die. I guess we can't buy the RV. I can't go fishing. I don't guess I can start the garden that I wanted to. And I sure can. Well, thank God I can't clean out the garage. No, you know what that means? It means when you get in the RV, you say, Jesus, get in the front seat with me. It means when you're gardening, you're sowing seeds of righteousness. You're not just putting some seeds in the ground so you can grow some squash and some cantaloupe. When you want to come over and see my squash, my squash, my cantaloupe. No, sow seeds of righteousness. Sow the word into people. When they start asking you about their garden, you know, this sowing is really cool. Did you believe what the Bible Jesus talks about when he's talking about sowing and reaping? And then you can share the gospel with them. You want to start a new hobby? Start a new hobby that, on, that honors God. And you want to start painting something? Paint something that honors God. Brings glory to Him. So many of us. I mean, I remember, I remember, I didn't even know what the word the bucket list meant. Until I, the, I heard about the movie, The Bucket List. But while I knew there were some things I wanted to do before I died, but I didn't know what's called a bucket list. I don't know what's called a bucket list. Anybody know what's called a bucket list? Before you kick the can, kick the bucket. I always call it kick the can. So the can list. A lot of people have a bucket list. How many have a bucket list? Ah, I wish I could just had time to ask you what was in your bucket list. I, I had a, you know, I kind of had a bucket list. I wanted to do this and this and this. I've got to uh, do a lot of the things that even I've never jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> And used to, I thought this would be the coolest thing. How many, how many of you have ever jumped out of an airplane with a parachute? Yeah, it hurt, Pastor. I didn't have the chute. It was tough. How many of you have jumped out of a plane with a parachute? Come on, raise your hands. Let's pray for those people. Spirit of stupid, go in Jesus' name. <laughs> Tressie's done something. She went up in a hot air balloon. My daughter went up in a hot air balloon. I always thought it would be cool to go up in a hot air balloon. Anybody ever been in a hot air balloon besides my daughter? Okay, all over the room. There's quite a few people who knew in a hot air balloon. Bucket list thing, you know? We always have these bucket lists, dreams. But listen, let me tell you something this morning. We need a bucket list with Jesus. We do. We need, I want to accomplish this for the kingdom of God before I die. You know what? He is the one that gives you those dreams. He is the one that plants these thoughts in your heart, isn't he? I want you to do this for me. Harold, Mary Lou, I want you to do this, this for me. Clay, I want you to do this for me. And listen, I'm, I've, I'm writing the book, and we're writing the book. The book is looking good, but there's some things we need to change about it. We need to do an edit right here. We need to change some things. Because God, listen, he's timeless. I know the book's already written, but it's not written yet. He's still writing our book. And guess what? We participate in the writing of our book. By the choices you make is how your book's looking. God said to do this, but I'm going to do that. God's about to go, oh, no, don't do that. Uh-uh. That wasn't the plan I had for you. I've got a better plan for you. He's writing your book this morning. Where are you at in the book? What's the book looking like? Retirement should never be an option for a believer. Bless you. Ask Abraham and Sarah. If retirement was an option. Zechariah and Elizabeth, ask them if retirement was an option. You're barren? I can handle that. I can take care of that. You're how old? 90? I can handle that. Caleb, think about Caleb. 
They go in and take the promised land. Remember Joshua and Caleb, the two spies, only two that actually saw the potential of going into the promised land of Canaan. And then after they conquered everything, Caleb went up to, to, to Joshua and said, I want that mountain. He said, well, I'll help you out. I'll give you an army. And they go, no, 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 no. He was 80 years old. He said, I can take that mountain. That mountain, I want that mountain. And he did. He went and took the mountain because he wasn't going to let age stop him from doing what God's called him to do and what the, the bucket list of his life was. So what's your bucket list with Jesus Christ this morning? What's your bucket list with God this morning? What is he, what dream has he put in your heart that you are going to see accomplished before you kick the bucket? In Jesus' name. What's your bucket look, list look like this morning? I know a lot of people go, well, Pastor, that sounds really good. You're talking about getting old and not retiring. But, you know, I've been, I, my health is bad and, and I've, I've had to, st- I can't get out. I'm kind of homebound and I really can't do the things that I used to do. I, I can't do the things I want, you know, I want to do because I'm limited by my health. You know what I'd say to that person? Pray. We, as long as you have breath, you can pray. We need prayer warriors. I don't care if you are homebound. I don't care if you, your health is such and such way. I do care, but, you know, but if, if you can't do what you think or the things that you want to do, and you can't accomplish things that you always thought you could accomplish for the kingdom, then say, God, what do you want me to do? And you know what he'll tell you to do? He'll say, pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your city. Pray for your president. Pray for your country. There's always time to pray. We can always find time to pray. And a lot of people say, well, that's not work. Prayer is work. There's a scripture that says it is. You want to work until you die? Pray. And see what God wants to do in your life. What he wants to do in the life of your children. If one of your bucket lists is, I want to see so-and-so saved, pray. Pray, pray. God is patient. Did you know that? Your book's being written, and some of you, man, your book is not looking so good. But at some point, you're going to have to choose. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering. That means He's patient toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But why would you wait? See, if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ, your book is being written and, and, and shaped and formed by the world. But it didn't have to be that way. But people say, well, you know what, I don't wait. I want to wait. I'm going to sow my wild oats. I'm going to do my own thing. When I get older, like you, Pastor, then I'll, then I'll get my life right with Jesus. Remember what I just said a while ago? You don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. I don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. Hebrews 12, 12. Listen, look who's the author. Look who the author is. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That book. That book. Looking unto Jesus, the author of the book, the finisher of our faith. He's writing the book of our life. And he says, you've got to get in this race and you've got to endure in this race. And he says, but I started it and I'm going to complete it. Let me show you another verse that talks about that. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God started a work in you. Listen, if you gave your life to Christ, he started this work in you as a Christian, and now he wants to complete the work. 
He wants you to run the race with endurance. He wants you to find out who he is. He wants you to find out your purpose in life. And here's your purpose in life. Romans 12, 1 through 3. The Passion Translation. It finally got added to Bible Gateway. I love this translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices. That's your book. A sacred living sacrifice. And live in holiness, experiencing all the delights his heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you see the culture wants to write your book he says stop imitating the ideals quit trying to be who you're not quit trying to be somebody else I am not Bill Johnson I am not Billy Graham I'm I'm not Franklin Graham I am not uh, Robert Morris, I'm Harold Watkins. I can't be those guys. I don't want to be those guys. i got to be who I am, and you have to be who you are because you are uniquely you. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit, the oil inside your lamp, through a total reformation of how you think. How are you thinking this morning? This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. You need to know the author of your book, of your life book this morning. You need to know your author intimately. You need to have confidence that he's writing, that he can write a good book. You need to be confident in Him and trust Him. Gnosko, to know God, to know, to know God, to know your purpose in life, in your vapor of your life. You were created with a purpose. Now, I think some of you don't even believe that. Well, pastor, I get up and I go to work or I go to school and I come home and I, I eat at dinner and I sit down and I watch TV and I try to go to sleep. I listen to some music and then I wake up and I go through it again and again and again and again. And I get a paycheck, and sometimes the paycheck's not enough to cover the bills, and I worry about it a lot. And, and I get through that week, and I start it all over again on Monday. I try to come Sunday once in a while, and I try to get a little juice, you know, a little fuel, and, but it just doesn't seem to last me till the end of the week, kind of like my paycheck. And God says, I've got a plan for you, and it's not that plan. You want to know God's purpose for your life? Look at Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. See, you can't comprehend that. I can because I'm the pastor. No, I can't comprehend that. We can't comprehend those things. That's why he's God and we're not. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose Misha before the foundation of the world. He knew when you would be born, where you would be born, who you would be born to. He knew exactly how much you would weigh. He knew everything about you before the foundation of the world. He's not limited to time or space. That we should be what? Holy and without blame before Him in love. 
Holy means set apart for his purpose. That's what holy means. It just means set apart. It doesn't mean perfect. It means set apart for his purpose. And his love and his forgiveness reckons us as blameless because of the cross. We are called blameless. You're not blameless on your own. I'm not blameless on my own. We're only blameless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Having predestined. Oh, there's that scary word. Predestined. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Why are we so scared of that word predestination? It means he is predetermined that he wants everybody to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. Not no one. He created everybody and he wants everybody to know him. That's it. That's why we are predestined, predetermined. Don't, don't make it something that it's not. Don't, don't go into all these weird things. And, oh, you know, I don't have a choice. Yes, you always have a choice. Your book is determined by your choices. To the praise. Listen, this is the bottom line. Why, we are, why he has called us what our purpose is. To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. You know, it's not that complicated. He said, I want I create you for me. I've created you for me, he says. And I'll, I've created you before the foundations of the world. I, I already thought about you. I already knew how you would be. I knew how you would look. I knew what color you would be. I knew all those things about you. I gave you your unique personality. Listen, when you come to Christ, God does not change your personality. He changes your character. How would you like it if we lived in a, in a world of everybody was just like you? <laughs> Ooh, wouldn't that be fun? Hello, 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 hello. Doctor, 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 doctor. How you doing? How you doing? Good, good. It's boring. Everybody was like you or everybody was like me. He created you uniquely you for his purpose to glorify him. You know how you glorify him? You glorify him by the way you live, by the way you think, by the way you talk, by the way you act, by the things you do. That's how you glorify God. It's not that complicated. You weren't created for the enemy. You were created for him, the one who created you. His purpose for each of us is to live lives that bring him glory. Merely wanted me to write a, a letter to my children on my 60th birthday. 65th birthday. 61st, I'm going back. She told me to write you and, and Wes a letter. And I just, I sat down, I kept, you know, I kept, just struggled with it. But I just I couldn't do it. I, I wanted to write them a letter. But, you know, our children are kind of like our glory. Paul, Paul even talked about in, in Scripture about the, the people that he had led to the Lord and the churches he established, they were his glory. And yet, I can't boast about how Tressie's turned out. Or I can't boast about Wes how they've turned out, except I can only boast in Christ. Because I, I'm, you've heard me say from the pulpit, I don't like to use the word proud. And I know people use it, well, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you. You did good. I'm proud of you. It, 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 usually when we say we're proud of you, what we're saying indirectly is that I'm proud of all the things that I've done to get you where you're at. And I know that's a little, that's a little much. That's a little bit strong. But I, I've learned over the years, like I quit saying lucky. Oh, you're just so lucky. I quit saying that. And some people, I, I, it slips once in a while. I mean, I hear people say it. I don't use the word lucky as best as possible. I don't because I know the power of my words, so I don't use the word proud very often. It slips out once in a while, but I, I want to say I'm blessed. 
And I thank God for what he's done to my children's lives because it, ultimately it all goes back to him. He gets the glory for it. And I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. He's given me awesome children. But listen, you know, we can screw up our awesome children. Then we don't want to take credit for it, do we? That's my boy. Oh, no, it's not my boy. Is that your son that we have down here, sir? Yeah, yeah. I've got those calls. I'm thankful for what God's done. How he has moved in the lives of my children. So that's my letter to you. You can go back and watch it on live stream. Because I do. I love my children. I love my children. And they love me. And we have an incredible family. And I'm very blessed. Isn't that better than a letter? See, 500 people heard it. To God be the glory, great things He has done. And He's writing your book. You know, without knowing God in a real personal way, in an intimate way, you'll never understand Romans eight twenty-eight. I want to close with a couple of verses. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. You know, a lot of people misquote that verse and say everything works together for the good. No, it doesn't. Are you kidding me? Everything works. No, you go go back and study this. It works together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's when he's going to work things out. That's when the calamities come and you go, I see you in this, Lord. I see how you're navigating me through this, this journey of life. I see how my chapter is being written. I see how this, the table of contents, I see there was a, oh, there was a tribulation time there. And, but you walked me through it and you, you were there and you graced me through it and you forgave me through it when I messed up, when I slipped and I fell and I got off track and you restored my soul. You restored the joy of my salvation. I saw you all those times and you can look back on your book. And you say, God, I see you there. I see you there. There. You may not even see it today, but you go back and look at your book that God has written and he's writing and, and make some choices that make your book look so good at the end. That your horror story becomes a happy story. That your tragedy becomes a triumph. That's the book he wants to write in our lives. For when whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Is that too complicated? He wants us to look like Jesus. <sighs> that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. He is calling you this morning. Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? Could we have the ministry team come? Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. I think that the age of 65 is a great age. Not to retire, but to refire. To get reignited, to reach higher, to go for the gold and burn brighter than ever for Jesus. And I don't care. You may not be 65. You may be 5 or you may be 15 or 20. I don't. It doesn't matter what your age is this morning. God wants you to burn up for Him. If, if our life is a vapor, let's make our vapor count today. 
Don't leave here today thinking there's no purpose in my life because you've heard it. The Word of God says He's called you before the beginning of time. You're not here today by an accident. I, I met I met families coming in this morning. I was at the front door, and I said, "It's just have y'all been coming here very well? Oh, this is our first time. Family of beautiful family of four. We check in at the the welcome desk and, and go see Mr. Mr. Frazier. And then the next family, I said, "Have I have I met you guys before? No, this is our first time. The next family comes in. Oh, I no, I've not met you. Four families in a row came in. Bam, 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 bam." And you know what I see when those families come in? I don't say, oh, well, we're really growing. There's new members. I see that there's an appointment for them today. They didn't even know it. They said, well, we're just checking out this church. No, there's an appointment for you. I don't know what it is. God has an appointment scheduled. He's got you scheduled. He said, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, Freedom Fellowship, be there. i got something for you. So maybe in those four families, maybe some of you in, in within those families are going, I, I, was want, I needed to hear this because God knew that I needed to preach this. Don't flounder anymore and wonder what your purpose is. Don't try to figure out the grand scheme of it. Just say, let's go back to the basics. Am I living my life in a way that pleases God? I want to live my life. I, I want a bucket. God, give me a bucket list of dreams that will advance the kingdom of God. Not me, but the kingdom of God. One other thing I was willing to write in that letter, Tressie. And I, th- I know Wes is somewhere in here. When I die, unless, unless things change miraculously, I'm not going to leave you all a lot of money. Just the way. It could change. It could change. But what I said is, but what I'm leaving you is far more important than money. It's a heritage of faith. That's what I want to leave my kids. That's what I want to leave you all. And that's what all of us should want to leave each other. It's a heritage of faith. Somebody had sent me a deal the other day. They said, I had a dream about you, Pastor. And he didn't even go to our church. I'd known him for quite a while. And he said, I had a dream about you. And I thought I'd better call you and let you know. I said, okay. A vision. He said, I, oh, I, well, I was, he said, it was very profound. And I woke up and I opened the newspaper and you were in the obituaries. I thought, okay, maybe someday. I'll look today. I'm not, and I didn't look today. I looked yesterday. I wasn't in there. So. But when my name is in there, when your name is in there, because unless Jesus tarries, everybody's name's going to be in there. If you can afford a obituary, they're expensive, right? Everybody's name's going to be in that second page, third page of the paper, right? You know what I'm talking about? They, they, they narrow your life down in one little ugly black and white picture and say a few things about you. That's how, that's what the, the city will see if they do read the obituaries. And I'm saying in, in your lifespan, what will you leave? What are you passing on? Are you, or is it going to say, man, they lived out their purpose in life and they glorified God in everything that they did? Because that's what I want mine to say. That's what I want yours to say. And I know that's what God wants ours to say. That we're going to burn out for Him. We're going to go up and smoke. And man, it's going to be the most beautiful smoke. An incense and an offering to our Father heaven would you bow your heads this morning because i know some of you here this morning and you've been floundering you're not sure about your purpose and you just need prayer today if that's you i just ask you and right now while people's heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you need prayer today you've been floundering you're not knowing sure about your purpose and you've been questioning some things i want you to just step out and come and find one of these altar ministry teams they're in the front and the back 
to step out and come quickly. They want to pray with you. Listen, they're going to take you to a prayer room. You're not going to be a spectacle up here as they pray for you. They want, they want to pray for you and impart to you and encourage you this morning. That's what our altar team does. They encourage people. So if you need prayer this morning for that, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man, time's wasting. You said today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your hearts. If you need Jesus Christ today, you never have said yes to Jesus. You've never been through the baptismal waters. You've never really surrendered to him. You've, maybe you've said, I've got my ticket to heaven, but you've never made him Lord of your life. Today is your day. Step out and come and let somebody pray for you. We've got people in the back. We've got people in well. Very few people left in the front, but we have people that pray. Can y'all spread out over here, Irene? We've got some more people that can pray with you. If you don't know your purpose in life, that's what God said. Preach on purpose. Preach on purpose. Let God do something amazing in your life today. Father, today we thank you for your presence. Your presence to transform lives. And Lord, if the books have been written that are being written now are being dictated by the world, today may the, today be the day of repentance. When the people change their mind and say, I want my book to be written by the Lord. I want my, my life to count for the kingdom of God. No longer for the enemy, but for, king, for the kingdom of God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody else? We, we want to pray for you. You've got, you've got time if you need prayer. Okay, you may be seated.